Back Judge Podcast. Still rolling on Zoom. Tommy, what's the computer update? Uh, well, as we were talking pre-pod, I had a pretty eventful uh, work day yesterday. So um, I do have a handy-dandy list of things that I need to get done that uh, uh, the listeners won't be able to see. But it's right up there. You guys see that little list right up there wow. in my closet? Nice. That's a, uh, that's a duct tape uh, piece of notebook paper with a Sharpie attached. And the computer was the latest thing added there. So luckily, I live uh, very close to uh, an Apple store. So I'll probably walk it over there uh, in the coming, coming days and drop some coin and, and get it fixed. So Lee, is that a Tommy move? The list? Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, a, mm-hmm. that's a 2022 move for Tommy. That's yeah. a new year, new me kind of move. Yep. Um, I respect it, man. Lists are very effective. I learned that a couple of years ago, living with a woman, you know, w- women have a way of getting things done. Um, you know, we're not a sexist podcast. I don't want to overgeneralize, but this is, this is a compliment to at least all the women I've been associated with in my life have a way of getting things done, being a little bit more productive than me. And, uh, after a while that rubbed off on me. And one of the key factors to that was, was, Putting, putting it down on paper, man. What do you need to get done? What do you need? You know, I, I just moved into a new apartment. I got a list of things that I need. You know, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know I needed a toaster until I want to make a bagel and I don't have a toaster. So you go and you write it down. You know, I didn't know I needed a, a bowl for my keys, right? But I'm, I'm, I don't know where to put my keys. You put it on a list, that list gets bigger. You get things done. I, w- it, it, I will it, say there, there, there is something for, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fumbling on my words here, but, uh, you know, the, the, the secret, the, the you know, uh, manifestation, there is, mm. there is a there there. Uh, I, I obviously think if you make that your, your religion, then uh, we probably will have some disagreements, but there is a power of, of putting things out into the universe, whether that's yep. a nice little handy dandy list and looking at it and thinking about it and, uh, you know, giving attention towards it and you can, you know, and yeah. Hey, if you, if, you know, if you take a look at my list, the first thing on it is crossed off. All right. I got car insurance. All right. That thing's crossed off. All right. And that you feel good about that stuff. Yep. Yep. And there's nothing wrong though. You know, Lisa talking about, you know, women generally being able to get some things done. Nothing wrong with being some big picture guys though. Right. Oh no. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. I, yeah. I mean, you got to figure out what works for you, you know? Um, but yeah, proud of, proud, proud of my big bro for making that list. And hopefully it's conducive to his, uh, efficiency. That's really all we're, we're all just trying to become the best version of ourselves and become as efficient as possible. And, uh, if that's, if that's a way that you can, you know, a cheat code for you is making a list then uh, more power to you. My cheat code came in the mail the other day and, and the listeners won't be able to see this, but that's a nice Bill Belichick poster. I just put up in my apartment. To remind me that uh, discipline is key. And, uh, you know, every time I'm feeling down in the dumps, maybe to think about old BB and the art of war and uh, being, being the best at what you do. So we're all, uh, we're all making, making steps toward greatness here, guys. And we're going to talk about, hey, nice little segue, Lee. We're talking yep. head coaches, okay? Talking head coaches on the pod. Talking new head coaches, something that uh, – for myself personally, has not gone well when uh, assessing if, if hires are, are good or not. Famously, uh, you know, maybe poo-pooing uh, Matt, Matt LaFleur a little bit, 
pretty sure he's gone on to have like the best regular season winning percentage of any coach ever in their first three seasons. Uh, Zach Taylor kind of, kind of brushed that one off. Lee, I listened to our head coaching, our, our head coaching podcast we did two, three years ago. You had a prophecy that Kingsbury would be done after three years. Yeah. I mean, I stand by that prophecy. Um, and, you know, obviously he's not gone, but uh, I don't know. We've got to give credit to a guy for being able to improve all three years. But uh, there's – what's the saying? There's something rotten in Denmark uh, with, the, with the Arizona Cardinals. I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I think I need to figure that one out soon. And, hey, I mean, I'm making up for it with my 2022 coaching prophecies. Okay. I'm two for two at the plate. So, I. <laughs> uh, can't, can't complain. Let's start with the Chicago Bears. They hired Matt Eberflus, Eberflus. Mm. Eberflus, not sure which way it goes, but uh, former D coordinator in Indianapolis. I think all of us agreed that it was time to move on from Nagy. Most of us probably hopefully thought that a uh, year ago, two years ago even. But, Tommy, what do you think about the Bears going with a, a defensive-minded guy the year after drafting Fields seventh overall? Yeah, I think we're probably all going to be a, a bit in lockstep on this, and I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago. But, um, you know, Eberflus, he comes from a really good organization. Um, Lee and I are big hard knocks guys. I've watched uh, the Colts in, uh, you know, in franchise little video production they do over the past couple of years. Um, and, and Eberflus has been, you know, a part of that, a part of that uh, staff and that culture. And I have no doubt that he is, uh, you know, a good football coach, obviously a good defensive mind. That Colts defense, I, I think, overperformed pretty much um, at least the past two years. Uh, this year, you know, DeForest Buckner, uh, Darius Leonard, and Kenny Moore all went to the Pro Bowl. I think, you know, Eberflus has a role in that while they're all, you know, very good players in their own right. But, you know, I, it's hard to, uh, you know, get super excited about the future of the bears offense and, and Justin Fields right now, just because they don't have an offensive coordinator yet. Do they? I'm, I don't, I don't think they do or e either, either way, even if you do have a stud offensive coordinator, um, that guy, if, if, if fields is successful, that just means that um, he is you know going to get a head coaching job eventually somewhere else. And, and you can point to, I think, you know, the high end of this would be looking at a team like Buffalo with Sean McDermott, who was a defensive guy uh, in Carolina and comes to Buffalo and constructs his staff around him. And he's a really good head coach. And, you know, we saw Josh Allen grow under Brian Dable and, and ultimately Sean McDermott at the helm. But, you know, I think there's, I think as a general rule, when you have uh, a quarterback prospect like Justin Fields who flashed uh, some really good things last year, but obviously needs some refinement, you'd want to kind of go in an, in an offensive direction. So um, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously I, I can't get super excited and maybe that's unfair because I'm sure when we get to, you know, the Mike McDaniels of the world and the Kevin O'Connell's, I'm going to be, you know, excited about their prospects when, you know, Matt Eberflus has potentially done more as a coordinator and potentially has more merit than uh, each of those guys. But just by the fact of, his philosophy more being more of a defensive guy. Um, it's harder for me to get um, more excited about the bears. And we talked about the division with Rogers leaving could potentially be up in the air and you have potentially the best quarterback in the division uh, on a team that 
you know, is, is ripe to, to take over that top spot. And, you know, I think we all just want the bears to kind of, you know, make the most of that opportunity and, and having Justin Fields. So uh, I like Eberflus, but it's hard for me to get overly excited about the future of, of really Justin Fields um, with him at the helm. Quick Google uh, shows bears hired a guy named Luke Getze as their yep. OC. And he was with the, the Packers. Uh, he was a Packers quarterback coach and, uh, passing and, game, and pass game coordinator. That's the point I wanted to make because this is all kind of just projection. Um, I think that the first step in trying to assess whether or not a head coaching hire was good is just ultimately trying to determine if you can see the coach succeeding on any level. Because some of these guys you see, and I wasn't one of the people to call it out, but when Urban Meyer got hired last year, there was a large contingency of people who were just like, that's a bad hire, and they were completely right. Um, I don't think that that's the case whatsoever with um, Matt Eberflus. I think he's a very well-respected guy within NFL circles obviously has uh, a large amount of success as a proven defensive coordinator. And then I just wanted to segue into the with, with fields, it comes down to Luke Getze and Tommy made the good comparison with McDermott. They, the bills were in a fortunate enough position where when they brought Josh Allen and they had a guy, Brian Dable there um, to kind of help him come along and improve as, as time went on there in Buffalo. And we'll see what happens in Chicago. I think um, we can move on to the next few guys, but just from a Lions standpoint, I don't necessarily think that um, this hire struck a great deal of fear into me from a, you know, just a competitive standpoint. I think Matt Iberflus can be a good coach, but I don't think he's going to end up being one of those guys who is spoken about as kind of one of the top, uh, top names in the league. So I think yeah, it's generally to, like fine. To drop a little Bears insider moment. It's a, it's a franchise and, and a lot of the fans there too. And I think it extends to the ownership with the McCaskies. They just remember the 85 team and, and the defense that they had. And they tend to make a lot of their decisions um, surrounding that and trying to build up a, you know, they, always, they view themselves as a defensive team. So I think that that could have played into some of it too. Uh, Broncos went with Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, he was with the Packers as their offensive coordinator. Although I believe Matt LaFleur is the one, uh, was the one calling plays there. This is uh, an interesting hire in the sense that there's rumors about Rodgers heading over to Denver. I think ultimately the Packers are, or excuse me, the, the Broncos are making a, 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 an interesting move here, kind of going over to a defensive mind uh, after having Fangio as their head guy the past couple seasons. You know, don't know a ton about, about Hackett himself, but well, it would all depend on if they can get that quarterback. It kind of goes back to last season where obviously Sertan had a, had a great uh, rookie year, but you, you had an opportunity to draft Justin Fields, even, you know, Mac Jones. And then all year this year, they, they struggled with their quarterback play. So it's going to come down to that. Yeah, the Broncos um, brass released a statement after they hired Hackett saying that it has absolutely nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. And I kind of just call BS on that. Yeah. I think that this is the main reason why they hired this guy. It has to be. I think that um, the Broncos know pretty well and clear that if they end up getting Aaron Rodgers in that building as a part of their team, with or without Devontae Adams, they immediately become the favorite to uh, at least compete for a Super Bowl. I don't know. It would probably be them and the Chiefs um, in, in the AFC. Uh, so I think that, that this is like kind of the power move that they're trying to make. The constellation is that Hackett has a pretty good resume and consolation. Um, 
constellation Ka- Ka- constellation would be the universe the stars yeah, yeah i think both work but uh <laughs> the constellation in the sky is that uh you get nathaniel hackett who had a pretty successful year this past year being the offensive coordinator in green bay has a good resume in his own right but just from a standpoint of like let's assume that Rodgers stays in Green Bay. I just don't really like this hire. Um, I don't really think it's a move that uh, is necessarily, you know, great for Denver. It just kind of seems like a sideways step to me. Again, I know I don't know very much about Nathaniel Hackett, but it's a na- he's a name that's kind of bounced around in the past few years. Um, and, you know, coming from Green Bay, it's like how much of the success of Green Bay's offense was, had to do with Hackett? If he wasn't there and, and let's say Luke Getze was the offensive coordinator as opposed to Hackett, uh, what is the alternative outcome of the Packers season? I don't know. I don't really think it's that much different from an offensive standpoint. I think, you know, when you have the horses you have in Green Bay, um, the, the rest kind of take, takes care of itself. So we'll see. I, I want to, you know, preface all this obviously with the fact that I'm not necessarily positive about any of this. this is, these aren't, these aren't harsh opinions, but um, I do, I do think that this was basically mostly a move for Rogers more so than it was a move for, uh, the Broncos future and who they thought the best coaching candidate was. Yeah, I think, um, I completely agree with you, Lee. I, I'm calling BS. I think, uh, I, I saw Mark Schlereth, uh, talk about, you know, the Broncos were really close to getting Rogers last year. Obviously he ends up going back to green Bay and, and this past year played out how it was, but. I do know just from being a, a pretty avid listener of the, the Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday conversation that Aaron Rodgers absolutely loved Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett was responsible for all of the Packers red zone. Um, when Packers got in the red zone, that was all Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, LaFleur deferred to him. Uh, he would call it the gold zone and he would make little gold member slides and make little jokes about it. Um, and all around, I mean, like Lee said, I mean, this is, it's all projection and this is so hard to do, but um I do uh, enjoy about Nathaniel Hackett is he um, he's a bit of a jokester. He's, he, he, he's a bit of a comedian. He's a bit of a clown, which, uh, and I mean that in a good way. I don't, I, you know, I don't know, obviously there's a lot of head coaches who aren't like that, but he seems to be a guy that players absolutely love. And, you know, maybe that's more of an offensive coordinator thing. And when you're the head coach, like that won't work out as well for you. But I do think that also, Adam, you brought up a great, uh, great point. The, you know, we talked about the bears, but the Broncos, you know, the Fangio, uh, Fox, um, who'd they have before uh, Fox? I don't even know. Yeah, I guess Kubiak was an offensive guy. But so they they had two defensive guys uh, after Kubiak, and now they're Vance going back Joseph, to Vance Joseph, right? Yeah, yeah, Vance Joseph as well. Good point, Lee. So another defensive guy. So this has been a team that has, has you know, leaned towards defensive coaches and bringing in a guy like Nathaniel Hackett, um, you know, Colin Coward brought it up, and, and, and I completely agree. I mean, the Broncos roster is, is shades of Tampa's roster before uh, Tom Brady. This roster is, is very complete. Um, you know, offensively, they have really good weapons. They have a pretty good offensive line. Javante Williams looked uh, all the part of an absolute stud as a rookie and looks to take over as their running back. Uh, so offensively, there's a lot of things that, you know, you, you can get excited about if you put a – forget Aaron Rodgers, just a plus quarterback in that system. And Nathaniel Hackett seems to be, um, you know, an X's and O's guy. His dad was a, a longtime NFL coach. So he grew up in the, in the NFL coaching kind of environment and tree. I think his dad was a, a coordinator. I don't know if he ever was a head coach, but 
it's it's those type of intangibles that I actually, you know, I think this is a good move for the for the Broncos uh, in in theory. So I'm I'm happy that they're going out and strain from that defensive kind of no nonsense Fangio Fox uh, Vance Joseph type and and you know giving uh giving a guy who can get the most out of Jerry Judy Tim Patrick Noah Fant and in Cortland Sutton. So um, I I ultimately am, am kind of bullish on this hire and and I do ultimately think that Aaron Rodgers uh, is going to be end, is going to be playing there. I mean that's what everyone is saying and um, if that's the case then like you said Lee the the Broncos are going to be the fav, uh, you know, one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the NFL to win the Super Bowl next year. Let's jump to uh, the Texans. I don't want to spend too much time here. I think all of us probably agree this was a, a really ridiculous decision-making process. Um, don't really understand. If you're going to make this hire, I don't, it makes no sense that you fired Coley, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lovey Smith was the assistant coach. So I can't imagine much is going to really change in terms of the, the coaching staff. Coley, to me, I don't think any of us expected the Texans to do very well. I think he outperformed my expectations for what that team would, would be. I think Davis Mills showed some, some promising moments in his, in his first season, too, and to shake it up again. And, and I can't see this hire being a long-term one either. Um, and I also think I'll give them through this offseason. But to this point, I think they've also mishandled the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, so uh, to me, this is an, an organization and with Casario and, and whatever they're doing at, at the ownership level that just isn't really um, at the at the level that all, that most other NFL teams are, are operating at. I mean, I have I have a conspiracy theory about the Texans and this hire, and that's that they they had every intention to hire their coach of the future after they fired David Culley. And they were in the process of doing that. Um, and I think at a certain point, they determined Brian Flores was their coach of the future. And then he came out and, with and, this lawsuit. Yeah. And then they basically said, okay, we're not going to be good anyway this year. Let's punt on this year again. We'll hire Lovey Smith because he's black and he, we're, he, we're, he's comfortable. We're comfortable with him because he's been here. It's easy. He's, we know he's going to do a decent job, but he, we know for a fact he's not our coach of the future. And then next year we can just start up the same process again. Um, that's why I'll be the first one to admit I'm wrong if Lovey Smith is the coach of the Texans next season. But I honestly do not see a reality where that plays out. I think that the Texans kind of cheated the system a little bit here. And with the controversy around the, 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 the race of, of who's getting hired – I think that they basically just did what the safe made kind of like a safe PR move um, as opposed to going out on a limb and hiring Brian Flores in the middle of this lawsuit. Um, So I don't know. I I think it's kind of ridiculous, honestly. And um, the Texans are kind of going to be an interesting team to monitor just from a, I I guess I like Casiero. I like you said, Clep, I like some of the things they're doing. They looked better than I thought they would last year. But at the same time, there always kind of seems to be some sense of disarray with this Texans team um, for as long as I can really remember. So um, that's definitely going to be interesting to monitor, and I'll, I'll be the first one to come on to this podcast and eat crow if Lovey Smith indeed is uh, a good coach and the Texans retain him next year. Yeah, you guys, you guys both summed it up. I mean, I think this is Cully 2.0. I completely agree with you, Adam, that – this makes I, firing Cully makes no sense when you see that um, you know uh, Lovey Smith is is pretty much a sitting duck 
or a lame duck, whatever it is, regardless. So, yeah, I think it probably shapes up that they trade Deshaun, um, start Davis Mills this year, and most likely they have another top five pick in, in the 2023 draft where the quarterback class is a little bit stronger and they draft their quarterback of the future and take their, their head coach of the future as well. Um, so, yeah, I, we don't really have to spend too much time on this. I think uh, – and I don't think, uh, you know – I think you could even go on a deeper conspiracy theory and maybe it was Josh McCown. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure that it was either Flores or McCown and um, there was incentives, you know, going their way that they, you know, they just, they deemed that that wasn't the right decision. Well, um, yeah. And, the, and if they were to hire McCown, the backlash would be, yeah, you know, be like insane. nothing would, we've seen. Yeah. And, and maybe McCown's a guy uh, next year, who knows? But yeah, I, I think this has just been a horrific mismanagement on the part of the Texans and you know, they probably, I mean, I think Lovey Smith and David Culley are probably similar. I think players are going to love playing for Lovey and they're probably going to be a, a tough out again next year with Davis Mills. And that's assuming that Deshaun Watson gets traded. I mean, who even knows? Um, I, I, I mean, before we move on, I know that if they, Deshaun Watson is owed like $30 million this year, something around that figure uh, to not play. They paid him $10 million last year to not play this year they would have to pay him $30 million to not play. So I think if they can't find a trade partner for him, he's going to have to play for them. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, um, you know, to, to just pay him $30 million to not play. So, I mean, obviously that means that he's probably going to get traded. But, yeah, a lot of mismanagement on, on Houston's side. And, they, you know, there's a very good chance that a year from now we're having, you know, a very similar conversation with Houston. I do want to – in the uh... – Interest of, of somewhat of time, Lee. My, my mother is coming to visit. She'll, oh, yes. be, here. She'll be here soon. I, Wonderful. I, I want to jump to the Giants hire um, yep. because I feel like that's probably the one that we have the most to say about. Uh, in the entire process uh, for all these teams, there was a lot of teams that were hiring coaches. I thought this was the best hire uh, overall. I think, um, you know, Dable was a guy who last year we were um, touting as a guy that we wanted the Lions uh, to, to get as their head coach. Um, Brian Dabble also obviously having a lot to do with the development of, of Josh Allen. And also, I mean, what a playoffs for him in terms of offensive play calling. Uh, he, he just really lit it up against the, the Patriots uh, and the Chiefs as well. So uh, I, w- I was a big fan of this hire for the Giants. Again, not a huge fan of, of Daniel Jones. I, I would think that the Giants are hopefully trying to look to move on from him. Whether they're going to be rushed in doing that, probably not, especially with the way the QB class looks this year. But I, I did text – I texted you guys. Daniel Jones' first season was with Pat Shermer, right? Yeah, I think so. so this will be his fourth. So. This will be his fourth coach – or third coach uh, in four years. So that's kind of concerning just for his development in general, which is something I think we'll probably talk about with Tua. <laughs> Excuse me. But, uh, Lee, would you – you know, what do you think of this for Big Blue? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a home run hire. I think this is the best hire of the process. It's no, it's no secret or surprise to our listeners. I mean, this is a guy, like you said, Clep. I thought he was the best candidate last year. I'm really glad the Bears didn't hire him. Um, and I think that, you know, you look at the playoffs, you look at the NFL, man, and it's like the Chiefs have an offensive-minded coach, obviously. The Rams have an offensive-minded coach. The 49ers have an offensive-minded coach. The Packers have an offensive-minded coach. The Bengals have Bengals. an offensive-minded coach. Every team you turn and see competing at a high level, the Buccaneers, it's all offensive-minded coaches. Don't forget about the fat man, man. 
And granted, he's not offensive minded. Granted, you know, it, it obviously defense matters a ton. I'm not going to understate that at all. And a lot of these guys they have great counterparts on the defensive side of the ball. Um, just the teams I just mentioned, you can go down the laundry list of uh, the defensive counterparts, you know, like Todd Bowles or Raheem Morris or any of these guys um, that kind of make the wheels turn, D'Amico Ryans. Um, but ultimately, the head coach is an offensive guy, and I think that's kind of the recipe to a certain extent to success in the NFL. At the very least, like consistent consent uh, success. Yeah, yeah. So I think Brian Dable is of that ilk. I think he is one of the brighter offensive minds in the game, and I think him getting an opportunity to coach in that division with that roster, uh, I think it's the best coach the Giants have had in a while, and I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do with some of the players on that offense because – there's really not a huge lack of talent in New York. That's really not been the issue. It's been more so cohesiveness and consistency and competitiveness. And that's stuff that I think Brian Dable is going to bring to the table. Um, so, yeah, they, they brought in Wink Martindale. They brought in Mike Kafka. Uh, so, you know, I think the tides are kind of turning in, in uh, the Meadowlands. And I think also the, the, the new GM was the assistant GM in uh, yeah. Buffalo. Joe Schoen. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I'm I I'm with Lee. I think this is the best hire uh, of the coaching cycle so far. I mean, we probably would have said the same thing if if Brian Dable got hired hired last year. We've all been kind of lockstep on on uh, on Dable, and but I do think the I think really the biggest piece of this puzzle, obviously bringing in the staff Kafka and Martindale that you talked about, Lee, but also uh, the GM Joe Schoen. I think moving on from from Dave Gettleman to a GM who. You know, I'm not. He's not Brandon Bean. I, I can't just assume. But but Buffalo has been a team that uh, has attacked the draft and especially free agency uh, incredibly well. Uh, so, you know, being under that tutelage in Buffalo, I think can only mean good things. And Gettleman has been was probably the worst GM in the NFL for, you know, four years, five years. So, um, I think that kind of, you know, uh, turnover is, is good. And you know, the Giants could be uh, of a worst to first team, you know, the Giants win the NFC East. That division I think is up for grabs. Obviously we'll see what Philly it's early, and Washington. It's early. It's early. It is, it is, man. But I think but, we might be seeing Deshaun Watson go to the commanders, the commies. Yeah. So I, I don't well, know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We need, I need well, to Russell, let the offseason settle. There's, there's Russell before. Wilson. Now Tommy talking about the Giants winning the division in February. This is, well, <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. Well, it's, it's the division is, is surely up for grabs and, um, like you said, Lee, it's not like this team lacks talent, obviously. Um, having Saquon, if he's healthy, I think he'll probably have the best year of his career with Brian Dable. Uh, and then you have guys that like should Darius be the expectation. And, yeah, you know, that should be the expectation. Yeah, um, it's kind of put up or shut up time for him. Yeah, it is. Um, he's just gonna have I think I mean, it's obviously it comes down to his health. And then they have good receivers, they just need to get that offensive line tuned up a little bit. And I think this offense can, you know, be good. It obviously does come down to Daniel Jones. So, um, should, should be, should be pretty interesting. Lee, do you want to talk O'Connell? Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a guy who I've liked for a long time. He was an assistant in, uh, Washington, I believe. Uh, and then an assistant with the Rams, um, he's one of my certified boys, him and Shane Steichen. Those are my two certified boys. 
it's good to see one of them get hired. I think this is one of the most, obviously, personally, because he's one of my boys, I think it's the most underrated hire of the coaching cycle. I think O'Connell has coached under some really good coaches. I think he's very forward-thinking. Guy played in the league for a little bit as a backup quarterback. He knows what it takes to be a professional. Um, and then you look at Minnesota. I mean, that's a good job to get, man. And I think that that's a team that is really ripe for kind of a new voice in the locker room. Yeah, we've um, been saying that kind of all year with Zimmer. Yeah, totally. And I've been, you know, we've all, I guess maybe not Tommy. Tommy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we've all for the most part kind of been Vikings guys. Like we picked them to make the playoffs more than uh, your average people. And they've, they've let us down a little bit. Um, we all kind of think that they're a pretty good team. We've all kind of been on them for a while. Um, and I think this could just be exactly what they need to kind of turn the page a little bit and start to get the wheels turning. Um, I'm really excited about what O'Connell brings to the table. I don't really know what, what else to say other than I think personally Clint Kubiak was an utter disaster as the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings last year, an utter disaster. And Mike Zimmer, his time ran out a few years ago. So getting Kevin O'Connell in the building, he's going to call plays too. I think he's going to be be able to establish a pretty good relationship with Kirk Cousins. And I think we're going to see this offense undeniably uh, improve. And then Tommy talked about the GM that they hired and the background he has. If they can get some pieces on defense and, you know, get a good draft, maybe sign a few guys. This is a team that I absolutely, you know, I have my cautions about it because I've been wrong about them in the past, but this is a team I absolutely expect to be a playoff contender next year because they've got really all the pieces in place for it. Yeah. I think this team is super fascinating. Um, This is Kirk Cousins last year of his contract. So there obviously has been some rumors around his immediate future in Minnesota and whether he's going to be a guy that's going to get traded to uh, one of these teams. But um, it seems also that part of Kevin O'Connell's pitch to be head coach was uh, a plan for Kirk Cousins and saying that he, he believes in Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he overlapped with Cousins in Washington. I don't, was he a part of the, the Shanahan? I think he uh, definitely McVay? was. I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure he worked with Kirk Cousins in Washington, though. I'll yeah, so I mean, either way, I mean, uh, as we just talked about with the Bears, um, again, this is all assuming that Rodgers is not in Green Bay in the fall. This is a division that's that's ready for the taking. I think that if Rodgers is gone and we are looking at a, a Matt LaFleur, uh, Jordan Love combo, I think we're all going to be looking for uh, yep. any of the three other teams to Sorry, take Tommy. the mantle. Quarter, quarterbacks coach in 2017 in Washington – uh, pass game quarter coordinator 2018 and offensive coordinator 2019. So he did overlap in 2017 with Cousins. Yeah, that was Cousins last year, huh? Yeah, that was think, his last year. I think year. that was because that was the uh, Case yeah. Keenum year for the Vikings. So He was also the Browns quarterback's coach in 2015 when um, your boy Shanahan was on the was the OC. Yep, Mike Pettin telling Shanahan, I think we should run here. That's, yeah. a, great, that's a great clip if, if anyone hasn't seen it. Also um, played for the Lions in 09. Shout out. Wow, that's a – that's a that's deep a Madden, cut. That's a yeah. Madden 09 deep cut. Yeah, um, but, yeah, and I'm sure I'll be saying similar things when we get to Miami, but Kevin O'Connell um, is a guy that in the interviews that I've seen seems like a really smart, bright guy, um, is a guy who can hang. You know, he, he has the, the McVay kind of Shanahan intangibles, and that, uh, you know, me especially, I'm going to get excited about that, and I think we all will, will just like – you said, Lee, you gave the rundown of all the coaches in uh, the playoffs right now, and they're all offensive-minded guys. And Minnesota's a team that obviously has been 
kind of under the the cloud of Mike Zimmer and his defensive uh, kind of absolutism. And also a little curmudgeon this year, especially in the press conferences and stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, So I think, you know, again, uh, this is is an encouraging hire. Um, I I do, I like Lee brought up, I like Kwesi, Kwesi the the GM, and he's a smart guy. So I think this is kind of a a new kind of era for Minnesota. And it's going to be really interesting, I think, just to see what they do with Cousins, if they ride with Cousins this year. Um, and kind of, you know, go for broke on the, on the division title and then, you know, pivot to Mond or whatever their, their plan is next year. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be real. And I mean, this offense is, you know, Thielen, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, uh, Irv Smith will be back, but even Tyler Conklin was good. They, you know, and what's his name? KJ Jefferson had, a, had some, some nice plays as their third receiver. So there's some playmakers on this team. Osborne. Osborne. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I think this is a really good hire for Minnesota, and I think they're kind of trending in the right direction. The um, the the last one I I want to bring up at least I got when once the Zoom times out, boys, I gotta I gotta go. All right, cool. But you guys maybe can continue it, and I'll shoot over the audio or whatever. Um, I did want to just talk about Doug Peterson to to the Jags. Uh, the from the other ones that we haven't talked about yet, this one to me was the most interesting. I think I don't know if I'm getting sucked in again to the. You know, I, I liked the McCarthy hire in, in, in Dallas, you know, an experienced head coach who, who had a year off and, you know, a guy who won a Super Bowl but kind of had a uh, disgraceful, I guess, final season. Uh, I think they, they have a lot of similarities. I think Peterson will bring a level of, you know, just professionalism and, and experience with the NFL game that can kind of steady the ship somewhat in Jacksonville so in that sense, I, I get the hire. I, I would say I know that Byron Leftwich, I think, was a was a strong candidate for this job. So I guess they chose Peterson over him. I would. He dropped out. Okay, he dropped off. Was that probably because of some bulky stuff? Because Adrian Wilson, yeah, I think him and Adrian yeah. Wilson were planning on being a tandem. But yeah, okay, continue. Um, so that that part of it is still interesting that they kept bulky in that GM role. But I just thought this was an interesting hire. I think. We all kind of liked the Jags from a roster standpoint. Uh, I even thought that Urban would, would was a good hire. That's Me too. One of, one of my blemishes on my record. Yeah, definitely. But um, you know, this is a team that obviously isn't perfect, but you have uh, one of the most talented quarterbacks to come out of college in a while on your roster who, you know, flashed at points in, in his rookie season, but he was dealing with a just a disaster from from a head coaching standpoint. So – I, I, anyway, I, I like this hire. I think it'll steady the ship, whether or not it will get the Jags over the top. Um, obviously, you know, the goal for all these teams is, is to win a Super Bowl. You know, if you're, if you're hiring a coach, there's a reason for it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you want to ring. Whether or not Doug Peterson can get it done in, in Jacksonville like he did in Philly uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, I think real quickly, they couldn't afford to swing and miss with this hire. They had to get somebody who I think presented a – relatively high floor and after the, the embarrassment that Urban Meyer was as an NFL coach. So I don't really think that they had the whole kind of, we're going to get a young guy who's cool and new, new, new wave because they couldn't afford to miss. And I think that Peterson's the right hire. If you don't want to miss, um, I think, you know, what he brings to the table. I think he's a guy who's got something to prove still after winning a Super Bowl and getting fired in a three year span. Um, veteran guy, uh, not really looking to make any jumps anywhere. I think that he knows the work that's cut out for him in Jacksonville. And I honestly think that 
uh, this hire is going to age really well as the off season goes on. And as we get into next season, um, just considering the experience and um, the ability to compete at a high level that Peterson's proven, I think that they can take this division by storm if they, you know, do a, do a few more things the right way. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's interesting just kind of going back to our t- conversations about Zach Taylor in the Super Bowl and how much, you know, credit he deserves and well he's in the Super Bowl so there needs to be something there I mean Doug Peterson man won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and isn't you know and we're still kind of unsure on uh you know what he is as a coach I, I will say and, and you know that includes me I'm not really willing to go on any limbs here I, I'm, I'm still kind of relatively unsure I, I know that'll be an upgrade from Urban Meyer which isn't saying much but the thing that does get me excited is the fact that what he was able to do with Carson Wentz, even at his height, and then obviously Nick Foles after Wentz got hurt, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best quarterback that he's been able to work with. So I do think that gets me excited for Jacksonville. Um, I think, you know, they do need some weapons. Uh, LaVisca, uh, I do like LaVisca Chenault, and I think ETN and and James Robinson are good running backs. Um, But you can't really be trotting out, I think, Marvin Jones and uh, DJ Chark again. Um, Hey, man. Jones played a good season. More, more so, Chark. You're putting more stock in Chenault and, and the ETN who have done basically nothing on an NFL field. Marvin Jones deserves a lot of credit, but Marvin Jones is not a one. And I'm not saying that Chenault is either, but they're lacking. And I think DJ Chenault, Chenault's going to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, well, Chenault's Just a guy wait that, on it. Just wait Chenault's on a, it. Chenault's a guy that I think they should be looking at Debo Samuel. And, he and must have said something wrong to Urban. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I – um, uh, what, that wasn't meant to be disrespect towards Marvin Jones. It was some disrespect to DJ Shark because I think DJ Shark is, is, is overrated. But um, I do think they need a couple more weapons and they need to sure up that offensive line and they have the number one overall pick. So we can move, we can move a few miles south, Jacksonville, uh, more than a few miles south. But the, the Miami Dolphins, after the whole kind of messiness of the Brian Flores saga, um, bringing in Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers, um, the right-hand man to Kyle Shanahan, and the kind of darling of, I think, the media and the analytics world um, as a head coaching candidate, and also the, the chillest man to ever be born. Yeah. He's literally, like, so chill. It's like... It can send you into shock if you're not prepared for how chill he is. Um, Definitely the most chill Yale graduate, I think, of all time. Yeah. I mean, dude, he's just like, I don't know, maybe this is just a mainstream opinion that I'm, that I'm just spewing out. But, uh, God, I want to hang out with him. Yeah. Like, I just want to hang out with him. I feel like he's, he's got great energy. Yeah. I don't know how much that translates into being a great head coach, um, but he kind of came on – He he, he – he hit the head coaching candidacy uh, kind of world pretty hard around maybe week 12 or 13, later into the season when San Francisco was starting to get some continual success and they were starting to use Debo Samuel in some more creative ways. And they really were catching fire. Both him and D'Amico Ryans really started to get considered as head coaching candidates. And here we are, however many weeks later after – San Francisco lost that uh, gut-wrenching game in the NFC Championship to the Rams, and he's going to be the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Um, not many bad things I can say about this hire. I mean, do I think he's Kyle Shanahan? No. 
do I think he's driven and smart and, uh, you know, an offensive mind, obviously, and a guy who um, has plenty of experience from an X's and O's standpoint and um, seems to be, uh, although not in a very traditional way, seems to be a pretty formidable leader and visionary. Sure. I mean, I'm on board with all that stuff. How they're going to be able to navigate the Tua situation is going to be interesting. Um, I don't think that, I don't know. I've maintained my position on Tua pretty consistently since he was drafted. I never hated Tua. Uh, I never thought that he could be a star or even an elite quarterback or even really a really good quarterback. I kind of always thought that his ceiling was, was kind of above average. And that, sometimes that works for you. Um, I think that this McDaniel situation is going to bring truth to light sooner than anything else could, because I think he's going to put Tua in positions to win. Um, but anyway, enough about what I think. I think it's a good hire and I'm excited to see him compete in this highly competitive division now with uh, Bill Belichick and, and, and McDermott, obviously. And then I know you like the Jets more than I do, but Robert Sala coming up on the, down the pike as well. Um, should be interesting. Yeah, um, this is, you know, this is kind of my darling. This is my Kevin O'Connell, I'll say, of, of this. Uh, he's, he's, this is comfortably my second favorite hire behind Dave. Well, you know, with all due respect, uh, Kevin O'Connell is a deep pluck, man. Kevin O'Connell yeah. and I go back a little bit before, before you fair even enough. knew about Mike McDaniel. I was, I was flirting with Kevin O'Connell. Fair enough, fair enough. But um, this is, the thing that gets me excited about Mike McDaniel is how much faith Kyle Shanahan put in him to orchestrate a lot of their run game and how cohesive their kind of offensive collaboration seemed to be. Um, and, you know, you're talking about Tua Lee, and, and yes, I was, I was higher on Tua than you, and, and I was ultimately wrong um, on kind of the upside of Tua, but then last year when we were doing the AFC uh, AFC East preview, I think, you know, you and I are kind of in a, in, in a similar spot on Tua where he, I don't think there's a reason why Tua cannot be a good game managing quarterback with some weapons around him. And potentially this is blasphemous. I don't know. I'd like to hear your opinion on this, but sounds a lot like, uh, sounds a lot like the guy that Mike McDaniel just had in San Francisco started in Jimmy G. I think, you potentially could see some kind of correlation between, you know, the what that offense could look like with Tua Tagovailoa if Mike McDaniel is able to have the same success uh, in the run game in Miami that he was able to have in San Francisco. It puts him in a position with Tua where you have, I know Gasecki is a free agent, but Jalen Waddell, my wide receiver too from last year, who had a really good uh, rookie year. And you have some nice other weapons there with Devontae Parker and, uh, you know, I'm sure Will Fuller won't be coming back, but they have, you know, a first round pick. They can potentially add some more weapons. They need to get that offensive line. Uh, there's, uh, you know, ultimately there's work to do here, but I am overall pretty bullish on Mike McDaniel. Um, I think his bona fides uh, as a offensive mind are, are clear. He seems to be a guy I saw. There was a, some seminar, I believe from this, uh, you know, a, a televised or a film seminar with him, Shanahan and McVeigh and McDaniel is just, you know, it's, it's kind of branded on YouTube as, you know, Oh, Mike McDaniel, you know, talking truth or something like that uh, to McVeigh and Shanahan, but it just kind of, you know, I, you don't have to take it that far, but it just is a window into, 
you know, he's, I think he's operating on a very similar level from an X's and O standpoint to these guys. His players love him. Um, you know, Debo Samuel loves Mike McDaniel. George Kittle loves Mike McDaniel. All these guys love him. And Lee, you kind of talked about, you know, what we think of him personally and how much we want to, you know, would like to hang out with him and just the kind of energy that he brings and exudes. It's kind of clear that that rubs off on his players. And like I talked about with Nathaniel Hackett, you know, we don't know that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a great coach. And McDaniel seems to be kind of a jokester too, like Hackett with his, his, his energy that he brings to the press conferences, the, you know, the infamous Mike Jones comment and now him and his Miami introductory press conference kind of going back and forth with some reporters. He's a guy that exudes the energy that you were talking about. Well, isn't he like his best childhood friend? Uh, his best childhood friend is like a famous comedian from Colorado. Really? Kind of just an interesting note. Yeah. yeah I, I think I, like, you know who he is. Like he's like a pretty famous comedian and he's like current. He's like Mike McDaniel's best friend from his childhood. So I'm sure there was really? a shortage of, uh, of, of bits or, or yeah. kind of jab, friendly jabs going on. He seems like a bit King. I know he also had some, uh, I think he had some substance abuse issues as well. He's been sober, I think for um, a couple of years I read. So Ultimately, just a really impressive guy, and he's a hell of an offensive mind. Dan Soder. I've heard that name before. Dan Soder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, so he kind of has all the intangibles you want from a head coaching candidate. And whether or not that means that he's going to take the league by storm with Miami, you know, I don't think you could say that. But again, he has all the intangibles that you could want. And going from uh, Brian Flores and kind of his philosophy and the no nonsense, very disciplinary, uh, high floor defense first kind of mind going to a guy like Mike McDaniel, who might be having a little bit more nonsense as an offensive guy um, should be interesting to see. But ultimately, I think in terms of Tua, uh, this is a very good hire for him. And it's a very good hire for the for the Dolphins offense uh, as a whole, I think. So um Ultimately, I, I expect to see some some good things coming out of Miami's offense next year under Mike McDaniel. And it's you know, there's there's a very different energy with McDaniel as opposed to uh, uh, Michael Fleur, the Jets offensive coordinator, who was San Francisco's OC last year and then obviously went to be the, the offensive coordinator in, in the Jets with Sala. So, uh, you know, another guy who comes from Shanahan's tree, but I think is the first guy that comes from Shanahan's tree on the offensive side that actually kind of gives you the same energy and has the same type of mind potentially that Shanahan does. Yeah. And the whole Tua Garoppolo thing I think is interesting. I mean, I personally don't think that two is at that level yet. Um, I don't think he's as good as Garoppolo. Like if, we, if I was drafting a team for one season, I would take Garoppolo over Tua every single time. Um, I kind of think that that's like an ideal for Tua, honestly is getting to the point where he can be, you know, like the 14th best quarterback in the NFL consistently. Um, I think that's kind of the best case scenario. And that kind of begs the question of like, is it worth it? Is it worth investing um, all of that time, energy, and the assets into developing him as your franchise quarterback? I mean, I guess time will tell. We know that he's going to be that guy this year, but that division is going to be really competitive. And um, the AFC is going to be really competitive too. So they've got their work cut out for them. Um, last but not least, the New Orleans Saints promoting Dennis Allen to become the head coach. Uh, this kind of got some blowback. Um, I like it personally. I think that continuity is underrated when it comes to these coaching 
searches, especially for a team like New Orleans. They got a guy they were comfortable with. He coached one game this year when I think Sean Payton was out with COVID and they beat the Buccaneers nine, nothing shut out the Buccaneers. Pretty impressive. Um, obviously this is a team that needs to find a quarterback. Um, and the cap situation is a disaster, but Dennis Allen, I think is the right guy for the job. He's cut out he's poised. He's been there for a long time. He's familiar with the building, the locker room, um, the, the ownership, all that kind of stuff. So I, I can't really blame them for making this move. And Hey, if it's a disaster, you move on next year. Um, you're not getting Sean Payton anymore. You're, 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 you, any coach you could get would probably be a downgrade. So I think they kind of just uh, took the money and ran a little bit when it comes to, they didn't want to over assess, over analyze. Um, the only, I guess, red flag of this whole uh, coaching cycle for me would be just another year, like uh, where Biennemi doesn't get hired. Um and I don't want to racialize a conversation too much, even though I'd be more than happy to, to do that in a, in a more kind of broad sense. Uh, I refuse to believe that the enemy is not getting hired because he's black. Um, I don't know what the reason is. And I'm sure if someone has, there are people out there who have that opinion and they could articulate it in a way that I haven't heard before. My, I'm, I'm willing to change my mind about that. But there has to be something else going on here. This guy's too, the resume is too strong. The, the, there's too much proof in the, in the proverbial pudding with Eric Bieniemy. seeing guys like Hackett get jobs, Mike McDaniel, even uh, Dable is another guy where it's like continual offensive success. And I understand that Bieniemy's never quite fully taken the reins from Andy Reed, but you really can, you can only use that against him so much. Um, so I'm just curious to see like what the, what the deal is with that. Not that we're even going to see, but um, over the next couple of years, if this guy doesn't get a job, like, is he going to go coach in college? Is he just content with being an office coordinator? That's the only question I really have about this coaching cycle. I think Brian Flores will get another NFL head coaching opportunity next year. Um, I just don't think the timing really worked out this year. And hey, at a certain point, you kind of got to tip your cap to somebody for being able to take a stand like that uh, and kind of put their career in jeopardy a little bit to take a stand. He obviously thinks it's a major issue. And I respect anybody who's willing to kind of uh, go on the front line and, and make that, you know, kind of a, 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 talk, a national, more of a national talking point than it was. Um, you know, we, we all want to see more diversity, you know, at, at the head coaching position in the NFL, that goes without saying, you know, I, I'm not necessarily uh, content to see only one or two black head coaches in the NFL, but at the end of the day, I also want the best product that can, that is possible on the field. Um, and I do believe that, within the next few years, we're going to start to get there and that the NFL is making the right steps to move in that direction. Um, so that, that kind of is, is my take on the, on this, the coaching cycle this year. Um, I think there's going to be plenty of names out there next year. I'm excited to see what assistants are going to step up to the plate and make themselves noticeable uh, next year. Shane Steichen being the one that I, I, I like to single out as my other boy. Um, but that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Yeah, I'll touch on Dennis Allen real quick. Um, I think you bring up a really good point about continuity. I, I, you know, I that registered with me, but kind of my whole interpretation of the Dennis Allen hiring was just it kind of gives me shades of David Culley from last year, and I guess to a lesser extent, Lovey Smith this year. Um, I could see the Saints team kind of, you know, their defense still is going to be good. We don't know what they're doing at quarterback. We don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara. Obviously, Michael Thomas as well is is a little bit of a question mark. So it seems it seems to me that this team is probably and, you know, this division is bad. We've talked about it ad nauseum. It's going to be really interesting to see how this uh, 
changes out, but I could, I could very easily see if, if this season goes poorly for the saints that they, you know, take their quarterback of the future next year and go and look for a new coach who uh, can kind of help that quarterback take uh, those next steps. And Dennis Allen is a guy who has been an interim uh, has been, I believe he, he was the head coach with the Rams. Was he not for, uh, or was he an interim coach with the Rams? I believe when they were in St. Louis. Um, But yeah, he's a guy who's been around the Saints for a while was there has been their DC, I think for the past couple of years. So, and a guy that's well-respected around the league and he's finally getting a shot. And I think, you know, he deserves that. Um, He's been with the Saints since 2015. So he was the Raiders head coach. Raiders head coach. That's right. Okay. Um, So yeah, a guy who has has earned his stripes and, and, you know, this is a well-deserved opportunity for him and a organization that he's been with, like you said, for six years. So, um, and then on the, on the whole racing and coaching converse, the race and co- coaching conversation, I, I really, you know, tend to agree with you, Lee. Um, Eric, I mean, flat out, Adam, Adam tweeted it. And I think we all agree. I think everyone agrees. I mean, Eric Bieniemy's uh, the fact that he hasn't been hired is, is just puzzling because you can talk about the fact that he hasn't called plays. Well, Kevin O'Connell doesn't call plays. Mike McDaniel doesn't call plays. You know, Zach Taylor didn't call plays. We can go on and on about coaches that, uh, Matt Nagy, you know, was the mm-hmm. Chiefs offensive coordinator before Bianami did not call plays. So it, it you know, and I, and I refuse, like you, Lee, I refuse to believe that he's not getting head coaching opportunities because he's black. So um, it's it's a really you know nuanced conversation. I tend to agree with you. I know we have uh, some outside pressure from one Steve Malkinson out there on on the on the East Coast to to dive in this conversation with him. So potentially we can we can talk more about it. Uh, then and there, but I really don't have too much to add to what you said, Lee. I, you, we pretty much, I think, have the same opinion. And um, if we end up hashing this out in a more kind of uh, dedicated format, I, I'll be happy to share some more of my thoughts. But ultimately, I kind of agree with you. And, um, you know, I, and I think something that, you know, I guess I will say on the point is we talked about it uh, at the beginning of the podcast that the NFL is, uh, eager to hire offensive coaches. And right now the vast majority of offensive coaches are white for whatever reason you have Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy, And I know there's one that I'm missing. Um, I guess Mike McDaniel, uh, who was just hired, who, who's biracial, but Nico Ryans will, will most likely be a head coach next year. He's a defensive guy, Todd Bowles, um, Leslie Frazier, uh, Mike Tomlin, obviously, is a defensive guy. Lovey Smith is a defensive guy. David Culley is a defensive guy. Um, I'm sure there's some guys that I'm missing. But for whatever reason, that's just how the landscape is right now. And I think that is a important topic. And then – but then you then can talk about, you know, the enemy, which we just talked about, and then Byron Leftwich, who dropped out of the Jaguars coaching um, gig. And it seems – I mean, I, I could be wrong here, but I have a, I have a strong feeling that – Arians uh, days in Tampa are numbered, whether he retires before this year or um, retires at the end of next year. I feel like left, which or, and, or, or, or bowls are in a position to kind of take over there. So I do think that's something that has been missing from the conversation and uh, deserves to be, you know, deserves to, to be mentioned. So um, we can, yeah. we can, we can save this topic for another date with, uh, with the good Dr. Malkinson potentially, or, some other uh, esteemed guest. Yep. I, uh, I'd be happy to do that. Um, all right. Pretty much wraps it up. That wraps it up. Uh, good talk and 
Shout out Adam Klepp. Couldn't join us for the second half of the podcast because he's got his, his great mother in town in Yuma and going to be spending the Super Bowl with her. Gentlemen. Gentlemen.